2: Thank you for downloading this Intelligence Squared podcast. For more information on our debates, talks and discussions, visit intelligencesquared.com. Send them back. The Parthenon marbles should be returned to Athens. This debate took place at Cadogan Horn on the 11th of June 2012. Hello, I'm Zainab Badar. We welcome to this Intelligence Square debate coming to you from Cadogan Hall in central London. We have a very contentious issue for you today. Our motion is send them back. The Parthenon Marbles should be returned to Athens. now. As I'm sure most of you know, the Parthenon marbles are those classical Greek sculptures that once adorned the Parthenon Temple in Athens, sometimes known as the Elgin Marbles. Well, for 200 years, they have enjoyed pride of place at the British Museum in London. Is it time to send them back, or should they stay where they are? Well, we have four speakers who are going to be debating our motion. For the motion, British MP Andrew George and also broadcaster Stephen Fry and arguing against the motion... British MP and historian Tristram Hunt and Professor of History Felipe Fernandes Armesto. That is our panel. Welcome to you all. tell you what's going to be happening. Our speakers are all going to be making their case to you and then I'm going to throw the debate open to the floor and um, our audience were actually polled as they were coming in to see where they stand on this motion and at the end of our debate we're going to ask our audience to vote again to see if any opinions have shifted. So, first of all, our first speaker, the Liberal Democrat MP Andrew George, who is also chairman of Marbles Reunited, which is a British campaign dedicated to sending the Parthenon Marbles back to Athens. Your time starts now.
3: Thank you very much, uh, Zainab. Um... In our view, uh, that is Stephen and I, for, for Britain to enable the reunification of the path of the marbles would not be a humiliating climb down for Britain. It would not open the floodgates leading to the emptying of the, of the British Museum. It wouldn't undermine our ability to be able to compare and contrast cultures and human endeavours across the world and across across time. But it would be the right thing to do. It would, it would right a wrong. The manner in which the marbles were frankly, pillaged from an occupied country at the time using a dodgy dossier. The concept of of a universal museum is something which has only been kind of constructed during the, the period leading up to the creation of the, of the new Acropolis Museum, a magnificent museum, and we do have a choice. On the one hand, we can persist in, in clinging on to the Greek marbles um, as exclusives wear, wear thin until we're forced in some kind of cringe-making and rather shameful climb down uh, to hand them over in some, perhaps, decades uh, to come. Or, as Stephen and I are seeking to argue, believe that Britain actually wants to appeal to Britain's own better instincts than than the rather arrogant acquisitiveness which uh, has been displayed at times in the past. We should be leading an initiative to reunify the marbles, a a British triumph, doing the right thing, a graceful act. We are seen to offer and cooperate, Britain standing proud, enhancing our reputation, and in return receiving, as we inevitably would, a rotation from the Greeks over time in the decades to come of some of their finest sculptures and artefacts which would more than compensate for the loss of the Parthenon Friezes and Metapes. Uh, rather than rehearse, I think, the many arguments that have been uh, pursued in the past about whether they were uh, acquired legally, and I think the Furman that was secured from, from the, the Ottoman Empire at the time by Lord Elgin only allowed him, in any case, to, to sketch, to, to take Castings and to and to gather fragments that are scattered in, on on the site itself, not to amputate and to butcher and to demolish the the, the, the the structure of the Parthenon itself, in order to be able to drag these friezes and metopes from, from from the from the Parthenon um, itself. Uh, if you uh, support uh, the the logic and rightness of the of the of the unifying of the of the Parthenon marbles, then the logic really is that they should be seen in the context of where they come from and the building to which they were originally attached. This is not a case to advance Greek nationalism or or apply inappropriate modern political significance to to remarkable um, artifacts. It is a call from Britain, British people, for Britain to do do the right thing, to do something graceful and triumphal. uh, We celebrate diversity in this country, uh, and rightly so, and we should respect the diversity of the world Outside our borders. Thank you, Zainab. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Tristram Hunt, against the motion that the uh, Parthenon Marbles should go back. British Labour MP and also historian. So your time starts now.
4: Let me say, first of all, where our argument this evening does not reside. There is no cultural chauvinism here. We all know that even in the current straightened times that Athens is just as well-equipped to look after the marbles as Britain. The curatorial, interpretive, conservation skills at the Acropolis Museum are equally as world-class as those at the British Museum. Secondly, when it comes to the history, we are not going to suggest that Britain should keep the marbles because if Lord Elgin had not taken them, then the French would have done so. (laughs) What is true and is important to acknowledge is that for all this talk of dodgy dossiers, the marbles came into the possession of the British Museum legally, and this is what makes the case so different to any parallels with the Nazi looting of the 30s and 40s or the antiquarian thefts of recent decades. The Parthenon sculptures were acquired in the early 1800s according to the existing laws of the land. This might be uncomfortable to acknowledge, but it is important to establish the facts. At the time of Lord Elgin's excavations, the Ottoman Empire had sovereign authority over the Parthenon and specifically transferred the ownership of the property to Elgin. And the legality of the Elgin expedition has been, in effect, acknowledged by the Greek government, which has never challenged the ownership of the marbles in an international court of law. So legally, the case lies with the British Museum. The question is one of morality and function. Our argument this evening is that the marbles are a vital conduit for the cosmopolitan interchange of ideas and culture and must remain so. I have the great privilege of representing the great city of Stoke-on-Trent in Parliament and when I go around the world and I see Wedgwood China in Bombay museums and Minton tiles on the floor of the Capitol building or Royal Dalton Designs in Melbourne, I don't think we have to get this stuff back to North Staffordshire as quickly as possible. (laughs) I think how wonderful it is that the rest of the world is coming to know of the great history of design and manufacturing in the potteries. But if we send back such an iconic collection as the Parthenon marbles, we have indeed started down the slippery slope which would rob our museums of their capacity to nurture a cosmopolitan sensibility. The purge might begin in the Davine gallery of the British Museum. But before long, we are emptying the Egyptian galleries of the Rosetta Stone, as well as the Ethiopian tablets, the Oxford treasure, and the Benin bronzes. The Louvre would be emptied of its Venus de Milo, Apollo Belvedere, and Borghese gladiator. The Hermitage would lose its Madonna Lita, The Pushkin, its Priam's gold. And so the list goes on. Who knows? Perhaps even the National Gallery in Athens would have to rescind its Bruegels, its Delacroix, its Mondrian, its Picasso, for the result of such tit-for-tat recoveries will be a global loss of learning, of appreciation, of understanding. Whereas at the moment the Parthenon marbles are a part of a museum that celebrates the historical and cultural context of their form. It points to their global Significance in the context of ancient Greek art, culture, and comparative global civilizations. And it does so in a museum that speaks to the real message of the Parthenon sculptures and Athenian civilization. This is a museum not interested in petty nationalism, invented traditions, and imagined monuments. Instead, In its Enlightenment origins, when the classical virtues were rediscovered, it revives the lessons of ancient Greece. It is a global vision of cultural exchange and humanism. And in our fraught age of mass migration, post-colonialism, economic depression, and the communal repercussions of terrorism, this approach offers a cosmopolitan ideal beyond race, ethnicity, and religion, which is vitally important to modern culture. The people of Greece should have intense pride that their Parthenon marbles sit in the midst of the British Museum. And that is more important than ever today. In the 1930s, economic depression led to xenophobia, nationalism, and cultural retrenchment. In these equally stressed times, we have to work together to ensure the same mistakes are not repeated. We need internationalism, not nationalism. Cosmopolitanism, not chauvinism. The sharing of cultures, not the worshipping of icons. Athenian civilization and the Greek heritage is an idea as much as a place. And now is the moment to be true to that calling and to reject the siren calls of restitution. Enlightenment, civilisation, cosmopolitanism, all these ideals, yes, Andrew, lofty ideals, high-minded ideals, demand the marbles remain available to all, free to all the world in the British Museum. Ladies and gentlemen, I urge you to reject this motion and remain true to the marbles. Thank
2: you. Tristan Hunt, thank you very much indeed. And um, arguing for the motion, Stephen Fry, (laughs) writer, actor, broadcaster, you name it, he's done it all, is going to be arguing for the motion.
5: I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I was very disappointed. Dear Tristram um, Hunt, who's a marvellous uh, MP and a splendid man and a very fine historian, he actually used the phrase slippery slope. Um, and uh, <laughs> the very fact we want to return the freezes and the metaphase of what now everybody is far too embarrassed, only very recently, to call the Elgin marbles, um, the very fact we want to return them to the place where they were born... Um, does not mean that the Rosetta Stone is going to go back to Egypt. Uh, As has already been said, the idea that a museum is some whole, perfect, finished Victorian idea of a kind of um, pantechnicon of all world knowledge is nonsensical. Like all things, it changes. And my proposal to you is very simple. How classy it would be if you went in to the British Museum and in the place where now... You see the friezes that Elgin took. You saw a film of how they were cast, because they can be cast, unlike a painting, which you can only photograph. So what you would see when you went to the British Museum, you would see a period, 200 years, in which we curated them beautifully. And they will then see the journey of these extraordinary pieces of pentelic marble being returned to within five miles of Mount Pentelica, where the the marble was quarried and where that extraordinary temple, the Parthenon, was erected, to Pallas Athene, the goddess of Athens. The reason it's important in Athens is because it's all about Athens. There are 192 soldiers on the friezes because 192 soldiers died at the Battle of Marathon. And it was between the Battle of Marathon and their own defeat at at the hands of the Spartans, between that period, Periclean Athens, that saw the rise of everything that our culture now depends on. Philosophy. Logic. Euclidean mathematics. Empiricism. A refusal to take on trust anything that is told to you. Socrates died by that principle. History. Algebra. Astronomy. Justice. The Areopagitica, the hill up to which they went to dispense their justice. Every citizen available to do it. By no means was it a perfect society. Women did not have equal rights. Pederasty was rife. But heck, I was at a public school, there's nothing new there. (laughs) So... The fact is... Everything, our Enlightenment, is predicated upon Athens. And around that time, the Enlightenment, it so happened, the Ottoman Empire had completely overtaken Greece. Now, the idea that it was a legitimate purchase by John Bruce, (laughs) the Earl of Elgin, is like saying the American ambassador to the Netherlands went to Amsterdam when the Nazis had invaded and did a deal with the Nazi ruler of Holland to buy Rembrandt's night watch. And it was all signed, yes. Uh, We are are the Germans, we own Holland, they are under our occupation, and uh, you can have it, it's yours. And then Congress then said, yep, yep, it's perfectly legal, we now own the night watch. Greece was under occupation nine years after Nine years after Elgin took those, raped those beautiful and extraordinary pieces of history, Byron died for that cause. There are more statues of Byron in in, in Greece than there are in Britain. And the Greeks started their war of independence against the Ottoman Empire, which they eventually won in the 1830s, 1832, I think it was. So we're not talking about some simple business of an English ambassador doing a deal with a legitimate government who gave him the right to take away the stones of the temple that absolutely characterised and personified the greatest civilization the world had yet seen the one on which ours is predicated and all I'm saying to you is wouldn't it be classy if we as Britain said yes for 200 years, it's true, we've saved it. Uh, if, if my neighbor has a fire uh, and, and, and I go over and I say, Well, look, I'll take the paintings a bit before they get burnt and I'll put them in my garage, and they come back three years later and say, Can I my paintings back? Oh, no. Oh, no, you can't have them back. They'd be burnt if I hadn't taken them. <laughs> that's, that's no argument. That's just beastliness.
6: <laughs>
5: it's just beastliness. And perfidious Albion, which is the name by which Britain has been known for so long, this this untrustworthy country that still has colonial ambitions, let's not be that anymore. Let's be a classic country. Let's make an exhibition in the British Museum of which Britons could be fantastically proud, which shows our curation of these extraordinary marbles and also shows their transportation back to the magnificent new Acropolis Museum, where they can be reunited, not in the same temple, because that can never happen, but where, within, through the glass, in the blue light of Greece, a country struggling desperately under debt, we can show them that no matter how much their sovereign debt crisis means, they owe us. We will never, ever, ever be able to repay the debt that we owe Thank you.
2: Now, uh, making his opening statement against the motion is Felipe Fernandez Armesto, Professor of History at Notre Dame University in the United States. And your time starts now. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm going to do what I usually do at these
1: debates and desert the grandees and come down and join you.
2: Can the cameras um, keep up with our professor?
1: (laughs) On our side of the house, we have a great international treasure. Indeed, a global treasure. Uh, A treasure for the whole world, which is the British Museum, which, thank God, has abandoned its sometime vocation as a national and imperial institution. The British Museum is a resource of the world. In fact, it is the great archive of the history of the world in terms of its material culture. The documents of the material culture of the world are best represented in the British Museum than anywhere else. It's a British Museum now only in the sense it happens to be for historic reasons in Britain and is supported by British taxpayers for the benefit of the whole world. It's a museum in which every great civilization is represented, but none is privileged. Every religion appears, but none is preached. It's a genuinely universal place. And of course, you know, I, we, we, we don't say on this side of the house that it wouldn't be proper for the, the Greeks to display these, these uh, artifacts, but the difference that it would make to them if they were transferred to Athens would be that they would be in a a different kind of museum. A museum which is a mirror rather than a window. A museum, the significance of which is local, regional, national, in which people can look at the artefacts from the Parthenon in the context of the history of Athens and of Greece, whereas if some of those marbles those which are present for historic reasons in the British Museum's collection, stay here you can appreciate them in the context of the cultures with which they are directly comparable in the rest of the world you can see what Athenian civilization But if you believe as the gentleman on the other side of the house has so eloquently said if you believe that there's something special some special greatness in ancient Athens, you can only appreciate that if you look at it comparatively in the context of other great civilizations of the time. That's why we have to have places like the British Museum in the world, and why the greatness of ancient Greece, along with that of other civilizations, has to be represented there by great and important artifacts. We don't claim that Britain is in some way a continuation of ancient Britain. Modern Greece is not a continuation of of ancient Greece. I I don't have time to dismiss the remaining uh, points made on the other side of the, the house, but I do have time to appeal to you to keep intact the British Museum, a precious resource which this country has maintained at its own expense for the rest of the world. If you violate the integrity of the collections, uh, th- there is no slippery slope, of course, the Honourable Gentleman is right about that. I don't believe in precedence, I'm a professional intellectual, I spend my life shattering precedents. But, unfortunately, the courts do respect precedence. And if we violate the integrity of this collection, it will be decimated. Whether you're British or Greek or Spanish, if you're a citizen of the world, defend the British Museum, vote for its integrity and survival, Tonight, not for Greece, not for Britain, but for the world, I beg you to join me in opposing the motion.
2: All right, well, thank you very much indeed, uh, panel, for your opening statements, um, arguing your... uh, putting your case. Now, I'm going to throw it to uh, the audience who can put questions or comments to um, any of our panel members. But before we do that, I want to let you know how you voted on this motion, send them back. The Parthenon Marbles should be returned to Athens stroke Greece um, immediately. Okay, for that motion, 196, 196. Against the motion, 202, very close. Mm -hmm. But the don't-knows are 158, so that's very exciting. It means that this side (laughs) could win, or this side (laughs) could win. (laughs) All to play for, gentlemen. So um, let me um, ask for comments and questions from the floor. I'd like to ask, first of all, if there is anybody Greek in our audience... (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> wow, plenty. Yeah. That, that, that All right, part, chill out, audience. So, <laughs> so many of you. I had no idea. Okay. Greek with a microphone? The microphone. Go ahead. Is a <laughs> Greek, Greek with a microphone.
5: word, by the
3: way. Absolutely. So many
2: of our words are, aren't they, Stephen? Right.
3: And I would like to just uh, give you some bullet points that the marbles has been very well taken care of by the Greeks in Athens. The marbles have survived two world wars. Two bankruptcies, one civil war, and one dictatorship, and they were very, very well taken care of during these times. So I think this indicates about the priorities that the Greeks have. And um, you also mentioned um, that there, they were legally acquired in the 1800s. This is a very grey area, and I would expect you not to have made such a firm uh, statement. Um, I'd like to remind you there is no fairman; there is only a translation in Italian. And there is no Ferdinand Assads, but the letter that was not a Ferdinand Assads.
2: Okay. Thank you. Another Greek with a microphone. <clears throat> oh, okay, yes. Are you Greek? No, I'm not. Well, okay.
0: All right, we'll <laughs> let you off. <laughs> <laughs> You'll do. But the experience of Athenian democracy, perhaps I can. Dan, please, word. if you would. Um, I think on Stephen's point about comparing the Ottoman Empire with Nazi Germany was a cheap shot. The Ottoman Empire was not Nazi Germany. In fact, many, in fact, perhaps the majority of its senior officials were, in fact, Greek. It was a cosmopolitan multinational empire created, um, obviously, big, uh, there were atrocities, but it was not the Nazi empire by any stretch of the imagination. And finally, I did go to the museum. Last year. I I beg to differ with all due respect. I do not think it's a great museum. It reminded me of Stansted Airport and its architecture. It is certainly not the British Museum. And a second, very, very important point if you go to the Acropolis and go to the top of the Acropolis, there has been restoration of many of the monuments on top of the Acropolis in the last. 15, 20 years, and they are Cecil B. DeMille vandalisms. So I really do question your point also, that the authorities in Greece are able to protect these marbles. The restoration that has been done on the Acropolis in the last 20 years is appalling. All right.
3: Uh,
2: We'll get a response. We'll get a response now. But Stephen, a, a valid point there made about the Ottoman Empire. And Choosing
5: Nazism is it, its just the most would, recent occupation example I can yes. think of. But it, 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 it but was an occupied country. Yeah,
2: but the Ottomans governed their lands with a light touch, as the, you know. But, and they but often nine years later, to, the yes. Greeks
5: rebelled oh, and right. were allowed to have sure. their own country. But you, you and accept given it's not comparable. That, that, it's not comparable in the, the sense that uh, all the terrors of Nazism did not attend the Ottoman Empire, By but it was shot. an occupation. The point is, the Occupation Occupying force does not have the right to sign away the goods of the country that they have occupied.
2: All right, um, Tristram, this point about the Furman, and I should say that a Furman is a licence and letter of instruction which Lord Elgin received at the time from the um, Ottoman Empire, so that he could remove this. But there is some question, or some people doubt, that um, it was actually uh, I mean, something. You said, out because of the Italian translation and so on. Yeah. I mean, do you accept that it's <laughs> a little bit of a grey area? Well, I, I,
4: I, I actually don't, because if it, if it is a grey area, then, then why hasn't it been challenged in, in a court of law? The whole point about the Nazi looting, for example, and this has been systematically challenged in questions of ownership in courts of law. Uh, and you can go to any number of international courts of law to pursue this, and it, it never was. I
3: think I just think that the Greeks didn't want to diminish themselves by actually taking a le- you know a legal um, you know remedy to this to this issue. It's quite clear that, that, that the Greeks want to engage in a negotiation which would enable a long a long term loan. I mean, what the, what the problem with the problem with the the, the, the negotiations so far. Every time the issue is raised, you can't get beyond a precondition that the the, the, the British government and and, and the British Museum are saying that you have to renounce legal title before we commence any negotiation with you. And that is a clearly churlish and ridiculous way in which you you abode.
4: absolutely right. And if the question of ownership is settled, uh, i.e. the Greek government uh, agrees to the ownership um, of the marbles under the auspices of the British Museum, then the British Museum has said time and again that they're very happy, they'd be delighted to lend the artefacts. But at the root of this question is do you believe in a national conception of culture or do you believe in an Enlightenment, cosmopolitan, international conception of culture?
2: I just want to pick up one thing that Tristram said in in the light of, of the Greek contribution about the fact that the Greeks do not dispute the ownership. I mean, they have acknowledged publicly... Evangelos Venizelos, who was culture minister back in 2003, wrote to the Sunday Times newspaper and said that the Greek government's position is that they do not accept that the trustees of the British Museum own the Parthenon. But that
4: is the point, and, and, and that's why we can't have the mature relationship in terms of loans and scholarship that we all want to see.
5: When okay. Lord Elgin left Athens with his booty, his prida, as they would say in Latin, um, um, he left some of it behind in Italy. And it belonged to Italy, as it were, belonged to Italy. And in 2008, the Italian president took this isn't those this elements. This isn't
4: a slippery slope, is it? it no,
5: <laughs> it, it's quite the opposite. Yes. He just the Italian president said, "Well, these are these belonged to, to the Parthenon, and he I gave back. back." There was a but ceremony. Was slippery slope. You don't There like. was a ceremony in which he said. There you are. Oh, You're going to have right, it. Okay. What uh, didn't happen was Greece said, oh, now you've given us that one, you must give us all the others. There was no slippery slope.
2: Lots of hands there now. OK, audience. Who's got the microphone near them?
4: Um, I wondered, is there something to inform both sides of this argument that there is such passion about the return of these particular works of art? Other works of art that have been taken from other countries never seem to be the focus of this type of perpetual argument. And I guess we could say on both sides that that would inform uh, for and against, and I wondered if you could just briefly touch on why you think these sculptures inspire people to this degree.
2: Okay, very briefly, why are these unique? Just why they're unique? But they
4: haven't been in the past. This is what's interesting. For 150 years, you didn't uh, have this kind of emotion surrounding them. So it says something interesting about modern Greek identity and nationalism, but that doesn't necessarily speak to their innate aesthetic virtue. Okay,
2: who's got the microphone? Go ahead.
5: I'm dismayed to hear so much discussion about the legality of uh, this uh, transaction. I believe that uh, society has led us to think legally and to somehow... Totally forget that there are morals and ethics that, with I think, we should be standing by. And okay. uh, referring to a previous speaker, if some of the marbles were in Stansted Airport, so much the better; they'd be seen by millions.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
2: Okay, so this gentleman here. The, the, the main thrust of the problem with the marbles has not been discussed tonight. They are a single work of art. They represent the Panathenaic procession. They should not be divided. If the head of David was in, in the British Museum and his body in the Uffizi Gallery, we should think it was strange. Those marbles should be reunited. OK, thank you. There's the young...
1: Um, Some
5: people think that because the marbles are universally agreed to be one of the most important symbols of Western culture, that um, putting them in the same place would put them at risk if there were a fire or an earthquake or a terrorist attack at some symbol of the West, and that by
1: keeping some in Britain, some in Munich, some in the Louvre, some at Elgin's house, some at uh, the Parthenon Museum, we're sort of safeguarding against future accidents. Uh, because we couldn't really afford to lose them. And I was wondering if anybody has any opinions on
2: that. Thank
5: you. I think think one of the gentlemen answered that by saying that the moment the British Museum uh, basically concedes that it is not the owner, then the Greeks will take them and the Greeks will be happy to loan them around the world. That's the point. At the moment they can't.
4: I I mean, there is a conservation issue with taking them around the world. I mean, there there, there are... are, They're too delicate. delicate. They're They're delicate.
2: delicate. The
1: British Museum
4: is willing to make
1: loans of the Parthenon marble subject to the usual requirements which attend all such exchanges concerning security and insurance Mm. and conservation. But it is absolutely critical to any loan that part of the condition is that you should be willing to give it back. And unless you know, people are willing to give it back, it's not a loan. We've it's another it. pillage, it's another thing. have had it for they... 200 years,
2: yes, but it's but, but, enough. But the professor's <laughs> making the point that that's the British Museum's position. There's a lady there, yeah, and then I'll come back to the panel. The legal case does not rest in favour of the British Museum unless you have read nothing. They are the receivers of stolen goods and the British government at the time was the handler of stolen goods. The refusal to return them now is based on such patronising empirical attitudes. Why should the Greeks be proud that half their marbles are in the British Museum? Why should they? Would we be pleased, nay, honoured, if half a Stonehenge was up
4: Rome? I think not. I don't know about that. I'll be be very pleased to have as much of British culture shown around the world as a symbol uh, of our history and heritage and identity. The Greeks should be intensely proud. Why? One of the top... Three museums in the world, which gets the largest, uh, the, the, the third largest volume of uh, uh, attendees in the world, has pride of place for the symbol of Greek civilization. Yeah, either not... you believe in internationalism, either you believe in cosmopolitanism, and you believe in the values the of argument the or You do.
2: They are not exactly bathed in Aegean light are they, in the gloom
4: I, well, of
2: the uh, gallery in which they are shown.
4: And the British yeah. Museum
2: caused enormous damage to a great many of the marbles by cleaning them with wire brushes well, that was back in and bleach in well, 1930. Either side, well, both museums sides.
1: There is a mixture of, mm. of, okay. of natural and artificial light the Stygian gloom of London doesn't prevent people from seeing the, the right, marbles, and they wouldn't be particularly enhanced by... by I mean, every 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 place in which they're exhibited, um, and they're exhibited in various places, uses a mixture of natural and artificial okay. light. It's not uh, going to make a great deal of difference.
2: Andrew George, first no, of yeah. all, on that question that was raised, which is the slippery slope. I know, yes. Stephen, you said you don't like that, but the mm. fact of the matter is, why the Parthenon sculptures are not other well, artifacts.
3: Well, so, I mean, I just don't follow this kind of floodgate, slippery slope argument at all. Every case has its own very unique and different merit, and, and each one has to be taken on its merits. And, and if you don't take each case on its merit, then and, and you believe that you're simply uh, establishing a precedent which, which will result in this slippery slope, then you end up with this with this perverse situation where where we seem to be saying that we we cannot give you justice because. We may have to give justice to someone else in in the future. I mean, I mean, this is this is clear, clearly, clearly nonsense. Well, it
1: is true, of course, that everybody thinks their own cultural artefacts are of supreme (laughs) importance, and that's why, although there is no slippery slope, why one does have to take account of the argument about precedent, because it's legal precedent that's the danger. We have international conventions, uh, conventions of 1954, 1970, 1983 and 2003, which govern the and regulate the exchange of cultural artefacts around the world. And we need to adhere to those conventions, because if we breach them, if we were to breach them by submitting to the Demand for the return of the Parthenon marbles or any other mm-hmm. similar artefact. There are many, many <laughs> different objects Stephen which are is, actually yeah. far... You can make out a far better case for their restitution, including you know, the Benin bronzes, the Ashanti treasure, the looting of the, the Syringapotam uh, horde, so, right, the let, let Conex artifacts. That. some fine. of Steve the most important making... artefacts in the world would have to let... be relocated okay. if Steven... the courts were to take a precedent of the sort Steven that involved can, the rupture of
2: those okay. international agreements. Why, why make an exception of the Parthenon sculptures? Uh, I mean, there are so many things. The, 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 the bust of Nefertiti in, in, in Germany. Uh, and uh, so uh, so
5: absolutely. So. There are all kinds of works. Uh, at the British Museum. Alone. And, incidentally, I ought to say I adore the British Museum. But when I look at the, uh, the, these, these bits, these shaved-off, sawn-off bits of this massive temple that was erected to celebrate the triumph of Athens... Um, and I was to start off at the beginning of the Athenian Empire, and I'm not embarrassed to be Eurocentric about that because I'm European. I'm fascinated by the Benin Bronzes, I'm fascinated by, but you, by but civilisations elsewhere. you're not arguing that they elsewhere. should be repatriated? No, I, I, it's this, that is just another way of saying the slippery slope. It seems to me there is such a clearly unique case to be made. There was an individual who went specifically and fraudulently took away from a building... Pieces, vital pieces of a narrative frieze and the metopes that describe that city's existence at the time when that country was under occupation. Twenty years later, it was a country again, and Athens was its right. new capital. And we should have said, "Well, we've saved them for you. Now it's time we can give them back to you." Okay. Well, it doesn't mean we have to give back the Rosetta Stone. To whom would we give it back? We don't know to whom it belongs, but we do know to whom the Parthenon belongs. It belongs to the people of Athens and the people of Greece.
2: Okay, yep, lady here. I have a real issue with this... Uh, denial of occupation of Greece. Um, I'm part Turkish and I can safely say Greece was occupied. It's <laughs> as simple as that. Regardless of municipalities, no, no, no. Well, look, the Ottoman awesome Empire... it due to the occupation, it was just the parallel with Nazi Germany you can, you it to, England, to. You can compare it to England occupying France or Rome occupying ancient the British Isles, whatever. It was still an occupied nation and it's very dubious how those marbles were taken away. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Right, thank, you. Well, thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. More comments? Oh, sh- <clears throat> lovely. In Greece...
6: Uh, I'm interne- internationalist, mm-hmm. so I am for internationalism. But I think it would be polite to ask for the other party which pieces of its civilization it wants to share. And the uh, reply to the why question, why the marbles? I think it's the obvious for me: the integrity of it. I mean, it's uh, one piece of art; it's supposed to be together. And I think that's the main argument. But can I Perfect. come back to you? Are, are you? absolutely certain
4: in terms of the Egyptian artefacts in the National Archaeological Museum in Athens that you you are absolutely certain about the elements of their restitution, about Egypt wanting them back. What does this do to a near European, a Mediterranean culture when everyone wants everything back? Justice, I think.
2: Justice, so you Justice.
5: would give them back. Yes, Can I, Italy p- gave just, back, and, nobody, and Greece yeah. hasn't demanded... But the, whole, the, whole, the, the, the,
4: the wonder of European civilization is this exchange of art and artefacts. If we look at the history of King Charles II, if we look at the history of King Philip II, you have extraordinary royal collections, you have extraordinary national collections, which are shared out over centuries across okay. Europe. Okay. Why do we want to particularly at this time of crisis and stress all retreat back into this... our own
6: narrow cultural identities? No, but this is... I'm not arguing for anything like that. I'm just saying I don't know how I don't know if you've seen the figures. I mean, you have a torso and the the chest is missing. I mean, how is that something that it's worth being exhibited here?
3: It's like like tearing the Mona uh, Lisa in uh, half and having them in two different locations. I mean, mean, it's clearly absurd. um,
2: One Greek minister said it's like a a family portrait with loved ones missing, isn't it? Just very quickly tell us, how big an issue is this in Greece? Obviously, everybody wants them back. I mean, is it a very big live issue, but with the economic crisis, it's on the back burner?
6: Well, it is always a major issue. I mean, if... uh, Greeks learn now that the British would be willing to discuss it, <laughs> they would probably forget about the crisis. And, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's that important.
6: I mean, we've heard about the Greeks, you know, supporting the euro in 70 or 80 percent. I mean, if you ask for the marbles, I think it would be much more than that, close to 100 percent. And the main argument—I'm not claiming to represent Greeks. I've been living here for 11 years, but. I think that the main argument is the moral one. It's, a united, it's one piece of art and it's supposed to be together.
1: I do hope everybody does understand. I hope it's common ground on the platform that the, the, the reason why the marbles are divided and why so few of the pieces are intact is that... For many centuries, the Parthenon was subject to the most outrageous pillage and destruction, the biggest of which was when it was converted into a Christian church, and then further when it was converted into a Muslim mosque, and then when the Venetians blew it up, and then when the, the Turks... When Elgin got there, he intended only to make casts, but he found that the local population were grinding up the statues for, for lime and the Turks are using them as target practices. I really they must stop you, because many we're going of to run them out of have time. been
6: destroyed. Yeah, we're
2: going to run out of time. Uh, OK, who's got the microphone? Hi. This is not a view of scholarship. This is a layman's interpretation, but it seems to me... If we herald exchange that you spoke about, Tristram, should be an exchange not based on pillage but based on a classy act and goodwill is really, born out of cosmopolitanism, it's born out of a sense of internationalism. We would achieve the same ends if we were to return them. Um, we'd still achieve exchange but be based on goodwill. All right. Pass the microphone. Very briefly.
4: I'll, I'll be very brief. Uh, Tasos Tsitsopoulos, an, another Greek in the audience, um, I, I just want to say that there was some very... Uh, Admirable and, and reasoned arguments on, by both Tristram and Andrew on, on either side. Um, but, but for me, as, as a Greek, it was extremely touching to see the, the passion and the, the heartfelt um, emotional argument that, that uh, Mr. Fry gave. So I, I just want to say thank you from uh, my behalf and uh, other Greeks in the audience.
3: So,
2: this young boy here, and then that's it. Okay.
1: Um, Britain has a wonderful history of idiocy and arrogance. Um, (laughs) Mr Fry Fry said that we could make perfect copies of these marbles and... Oh, casts. Cast, yeah, that's it. Um, If we gave them back, we could have perfect copies of them and the friendship of the Greeks. (laughs) I would far prefer that to the originals. I don't see how that helps us at all. All right, well, got to leave it
2: there, audience. Thank you very much indeed for your contributions, uh, audience. I now have the results of the uh, voting that's been taking place as we've uh, had these uh, final interventions from the floor. Let me remind you, first of all, how you, the audience, voted when you came in before the debate. For the motion, let me remind you, send them back. The Parthenon marbles should be returned to Athens. For the motion, 196. Against was at 202s, and the don't-knows were 158. This is how you voted after the debate. For the motion, 384. (laughs) (laughs) Against... Against the motion, sorry, 125. The don't-knows were only 24. So you lost 77 votes, I'm afraid, and you gained the lion's share. Congratulations. Congratulations to the winners. Commiserations to the losers. Thank you to all our speakers. Thank you to you, the audience in Cadogan Hall. And thank you also the BBC World television audience, wherever you are, wherever you're watching. From me, Zain Abadawi, at Cadogan Hall in central London. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. You can download more Intelligence Squared debates, talks and discussions free on iTunes. If you'd like to find out more about our events, sign up to our newsletter at intelligencesquared.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.